Blog Talk Radio. What we need is some sort of revolution. Pain and greed, there's gotta be retribution. Do we all just run and hide? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stay in Sports Podcast. Uh, that, of course, was Cody Canada and the Departed leading us in. Uh, we are going to continue our fantasy baseball preview series. And this one is going to be much different than all the other ones because instead of over the phone, Torsten and I are live and in person staring each other face-to-face, talking over the speakerphone, so hopefully this sounds okay. And if you hear weird noises in the back, it's because my baby shower is going on and we just cut out, so there are kids screaming in the background. But hey, there's never you know, a bad time to talk baseball, so let's get into it. Today we're talking corner infield, and uh, Thorsten, thank you for coming to the baby shower, and how's it going? Of course I wouldn't miss it, and there is nothing like debating the merits of fantasy baseball players with children in the background. In fact, my wife was in here earlier suggesting we ask them for their input, but uh, I don't think that would be uh, credible for our reputation as fantasy experts here. The interview probably wouldn't go all that well, but, you know, they might actually have just as much insight and uh, quality uh be able to foresee the future as well as us at times because we, uh, Thorsten and I have a a history of picking really good baseball players, becoming just shy on the fantasy baseball uh, championship level, at least I do. So we're hoping this year is different. We're going to look at corner infielders. Uh, Let's start at, let's go with first base. Thorsten, overrated. Overrated. Okay. Well, it pains me a little bit to say it, but, uh, our, uh, for us Dodger fans, our beloved Adrian Gonzalez, as far as fantasy goes, is probably the most overrated first baseman that we have. Um, the reality is this. He's a wonderful player in real life. He's uh, you know a team player. He drives in runs, but at the end of the day, the power isn't really there. I mean, you know, 25 home runs isn't bad. Um, the RBIs are great. He'll knock in 110, 115 runs. But really, that's what he offers from a fantasy perspective. Um, You can get numbers-wise, as far as fantasy goes, value way later on in a draft from a guy like Adam LaRoche, who will also hit 25 home runs, also drive in 90 to 100 runs, and probably be drafted 8 to 10 rounds after Adrian Gonzalez. So as much as I love the guy and as much as I admire what he does for the Dodgers on the field as a player and a leader, he's a much better player in real life than he is in fantasy. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's an excellent all-around baseball player, one of the better gloves at first base. Uh, In his prime, was a doubles machine. He never really put up the home run numbers that that people were really looking and and expecting. Um, You know, but... I don't think to him see him as much of an overrated guy just because I think that uh, the general consensus is that he's more of a, a back-end number one first baseman, maybe kind of a 8, 9, 10 type of guy rather than a top five. A guy to me that is seen in the top five quite a bit and his numbers uh, make are worthy of that, but his age and his injury history and, frankly, his lack of a long-term track record of it uh, – I'm a, I would be afraid of Victor Martinez as my number one first baseman, especially if you get him early on in that draft. Uh, he's 36. That he's gonna, you know, he's coming off uh, surgery in the off season. Him and Miguel Cabrera, both guys are gonna be split times between first base and DH. But Victor Martinez, I think, is a guy that is 
a risk of completely falling off a cliff and could end up being a massive uh, overrated uh, reach for a pick at the first base position. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think that looking at his numbers from last year. I think he, without looking at any stats, I think he hit well over 300. He drove in over 100 runs, had 30 home runs. Uh, he didn't look like a 35-year-old guy last season playing. But, uh, again, the injuries will add up. I don't think you're going to see a steep decline in his numbers this year. I think in that lineup he's still going to produce a lot. Um, but where he's being drafted, uh, you may want to wait and uh, pick up somebody who's got less of an injury history. And I, and I will say, you have a few less stats pulled out on this podcast because we've been sitting here with our notes and, and scrambling on some cell phones to get a couple of numbers and so, and so forth. So some of the advanced stats that we're able to pull out sometimes right now, we're going off the top of our head. So if we do get any numbers wrong, forgive us. We're going top of our head the best we can. But uh, with that, we're going to have to turn it over to the underrated guys at first base. And to me, this is somebody that I just recently saw, um, two guys actually that I just recently saw who both look to be in pretty good shape uh, considering their their uh, reputation. Prince Fielder has slimmed down. I saw him in the Rangers clubhouse the other day. He has slimmed down. He looks good. If that neck is healthy um, and he uh, can swing with both those hands with full force, uh, he's going to be somebody to look out for. But a guy that's come, has fallen way down and will be, for the most part, a DH guy, but might get enough time at first base, is a guy like Kendrys Morales. Um, the Royals have lost some, uh, some of their pitching in the James Shields. They lost Billy Butler. They bring in Alex Rios and Kendrys Morales. And I think that's going to be a very good offense. I think it's going to be an underrated offense as a whole. And Kendrys Morales could hit – a uh, good amount of home runs, and I think he could really rack up the RBI totals this year. He could. Uh, you know, I have my doubts about him. I think that he made a huge mistake by not signing earlier uh, last season. You know, he uh, it, his numbers fell precipitously off a cliff. You know, he hit in the, maybe the 220s and 230s. The power really wasn't there. He's young enough still to where he can get that back. It's not like he's, you know, creeping into his 40s or anything like that. But, you know, uh, if if the Kansas City Royals are going to have a good offense, I think it's going to depend on a guy like Mike Mustakis breaking out. I think it's going to take Eric Hosmer finally realizing his offensive potential. Um, You know, I think if Kendrys Morales has a big year, uh, he could help some fantasy teams as a waiver wire pickup. Um, He could definitely be uh, an added guy uh, in Kansas City's offense, talking about real baseball and not fantasy baseball. But uh, yeah, I don't think that he. Uh, I don't think that he's a guy that's going to be, you know, that wins you a league in fantasy this year because of value or not. I don't think he's going to win you a league. All right, then who's your underrated first baseman for this year? For me, and it's it's going to be silly to talk about a guy who uh, has this kind of power being underrated, but he should be the first base, the first first baseman off the board for me, and that's Toronto's Edward Encarnacion. Uh, he had some injury problems last year, only played in 128 games, and he still hit uh, 24 home runs and knocked in 98 runs. That lineup is absolutely stacked. They added Josh Donaldson. They have Jose Bautista, who, when healthy, is probably the best power hitter in the game right now. He could easily hit over 40 home runs and drive in 135 or 140 runs in that offense. And, you know, he might be the number three or number four first baseman off the board. People are going to take Paul Goldschmidt. Um, and he's excellent in his own right, but Arizona just does not have the type of lineup that Toronto does. 
the RBI opportunities are not going to be there. The protection's not going to be there, so they're going to pitch around him. They don't have that luxury when they're playing against Toronto. So Edwin Encarnacion is going to have ample opportunity to drive in a ton of runs. And I think you're going to see an uptick in about maybe 10, 15 points in batting average, too, with uh, hitting in front of Josh Donaldson. Yeah, Edwin Encarnacion, he does get uh, – ever since the E5 days, he's kind of had a – a little bit of a cloud over him, but he is absolutely one of the better hitters in all of baseball. Before we move over to third base, I actually want to come back to something that's maybe overrated, maybe not this year, but uh, for more of the keeper league uh, options. I want to talk about Buster Posey, who's catcher and first base eligible. Um, if you're in the keeper league, I think pretty soon is the time to get rid of him. Uh, he's going to see more and more time over first base. And the people inside the Giants I've talked to, they love this kid, Andrew Susak a very good defensive catcher who can hit a little bit. I see Buster Posey becoming a full-time first baseman in the not-too-distant future. And at that point in time, I'm afraid that he he might turn from fantasy darling to fantasy uh, headache, much in the way that Joe Maurer did when he moved from catcher to first base to the Mets. He's got got a great bat, but I'm not sure the power is going to play enough at that position. So for fantasy, I'd say if you're in a long-term dynasty or keeper league, Plus, suppose he's the guy who cut bait with and trade for somebody you can uh, as sooner rather than later. How many games uh, is it? Twenty games that you have to have to get eligibility at a position? It depends on the league. Uh, I, you know, it's either, I think it's ten uh, to get it that year, twenty to keep it for the following year. Some leagues keep it down to five. It all depends on your league. Know your scoring. Know your uh, league rules. Uh, I don't see him having a problem getting twenty games in this year. But if he doesn't get 20 games back there in 2016, I wouldn't be shocked. And at that point in time, it'll make it difficult, like I said, in the long-term dynasty and keeper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the offense definitely translates to catcher for Buster Posey. But when you move him to first base, he goes from the top kind of premier option to middle of the pack. And he'll probably still be drafted like a premier producer if he ever does make the full-time move to first base. So with that, um, we're ready to move over to third base. Who do you see providing excellent value uh, for where they're drafted at third base position this year? Well, I'll give a little bit of a uh, uh, sneak peek into who my overrated guy is going to be because my underrated guy is going to be the flip side of a trade that happened this year. Um, a guy that's moving from an excellent hitter's park to a terrible hitter's park. I still have faith in that he will find a way to do it in the new park I, for whatever reason, I have blind faith in the Oakland Athletics. They they get something out of people that you're just not expecting. And Brett Lowry has fallen off just off the deep end. He is falling in the 20s in a lot of rankings. And I would not be surprised at all to see him end up being a, a top 10 uh, third baseman. And, you know, he's still pretty young. I believe he's uh, age 24 or so. And he's got some really good – um, a really good bat. He looked really good when he was at, at second base. So I wonder if there might be some movement as far as his actual positioning at some point in time over there. But I think Brett Lowry in the big ballpark could end up doing pretty well. Well, he certainly has the talent if he can stay healthy. He's got an intriguing power and speed combination. If he, if, if he can get on base, he can steal. If he can hit the ball out of the ballpark, even though the Oakland Coliseum is vacuumous. Um yeah, I like the pick. Um, he, if he stays healthy, that's always the thing with Brett Lowry. I mean, he uh, he was the number one prospect for Toronto for a lot of years, and it just never quite materialized for him. So uh, here's hoping that he stays healthy in Oakland. For me, 
a guy who is going to provide excellent value is actually in probably what is the best hitter's park in Major League Baseball by virtue of altitude alone, and that's Nolan Arenado for the Colorado Rockies. Um, He also had some issues with injuries uh, last season. Hopefully it does not become a long-term repetitive thing with him. But in 111 games, 18 home runs. And, you know, he's not necessarily known as a masher. He's more known as just a really good quality hitter that plays outstanding defense, gold glove caliber defense, as a matter of fact. But the 18 home runs in 111 games really shows the potential for some huge offensive production. If you can get Carlos Gonzalez and Troy Tulowitzki to stay healthy and you bat Arenado maybe in the number two hole in front of those guys, he could score 120 runs if he stays healthy. Um, you know, it's the farthest thing from a guarantee with a young player, especially one who's coming off of a uh, injury that cost him nearly 50 games. But, you know, you wouldn't have to use a top 10 pick on him. You can take him somewhere in the middle rounds. And at that particular place, it's probably worth the risk. Um, there aren't a ton of premier fantasy third basemen out there. There's a whole bunch of guys that are, you know, kind of good and potentially good. You know, Arenado is a guy that I would be keeping my eye on and snapping up if he's available. Yeah, you talked about the injury, hit, uh, some injury concerns. Hopefully that's not a, uh, a left side of the course field, infield issue. That, you know, Troy Tulowitzki has long been an injury-prone guy. Hopefully that doesn't uh, happen with Arenado. Uh, I think he's great. Um, he's somebody that I really love watching as a player all around. Um, he's somebody that can easily hit, you know, 20, 25 home runs. He had a 280-plus batting average. Um, and is somebody that is going to be a really good – w- if I had him as my primary third baseman, I wouldn't be concerned about having a, a second one because he's going to put up the numbers all year. Um, as far as overrated now, I hinted at it before. And it makes no sense on paper or by just by looking at it. If you take somebody from a terrible hitting ballpark, put him in a great hitting ballpark and a great lineup, but I'm just not sold on Josh Donaldson. Something about him, something about his game, the entire time I watch him, it doesn't add up. At some point, you know, the, the clock will strike midnight and he will, you know, the Cinderella story will fall apart and he's going to go back to, to, you know, old mopping whatever it was. It, I just don't see it sticking around the whole time. Uh, he's, I feel that there is massive regression on its way. Um, he had a couple of fantastic years. He's in a great ballpark with a great lineup. I just, again, there's just a gut feeling and the way I looked at it. I, the more I looked at that trade by Oakland, the more I liked it. I liked the upside of Lowry, and I think that the Donaldson has seen his, his best years and so there's only downside to come from him. I, if you draft him, he's a consensus top three guy. That's where you're going to have to draft him at third base. And for me, I would just be too afraid of it. There are Everything says he's going to be great. There's just something about it that doesn't sit right with me, and, I, and I'm convinced that there's going to be a massive fall-off, and that massive fall-off could come as early this year. I, well, I think I can tell you what it is that doesn't sit right about Donaldson. He was never supposed to be this good. He was not an elite prospect. He was converted catcher uh, who, you know, they, they liked something they saw in his back. They said, well, you know, I don't think that we can get him on the field every day at the catcher position, but, hey, let's throw him out at third. Um, I don't think they expected 29, 30 home run power from him. Uh, they seem to be getting it, and uh, I can understand the apprehension where it's just like, well, eventually somebody's going to figure this guy out. They're going to figure out something he can't hit or, you know, he's going to stop getting lucky. 
Um, I don't think you're going to see a giant fall off. I think the 29 home runs last year was probably the high end for him. Um, he didn't have a spectacularly high batting average on balls in play. Uh, so, you know, the 259 average is probably about right. Um, I will say this, for where you have to draft him in order to get him at the third base position, he probably is overrated. For me, that guy, uh, I've got two guys that are actually overrated at the third base position, significantly so. And they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. One of them is in the twilight of his career, still a good ball player, but at the third base position being kind of light in fantasy stars, he's uh, where you have to pick him. Probably first overall to get him is uh, is a reach. And on the other end of the spectrum, I've got a guy who's just about starting his career. And uh, a lot of expectations have been heaped on him, and they haven't quite been realized yet. First guy is Adrian Beltre, Texas Rangers third baseman, um, still a spectacular defender, but he's no longer the 40 home run guy. He's creeping into his late 30s. And uh, I can tell you as a guy who is creeping into his late 30s and doesn't play professional sports for a living, my body doesn't feel all that good. And uh, the way Beltre plays all out, hustle, he's, uh, he's a hamstring pull waiting to happen. Um, he's being picked first overall in some drafts at, or as, as far as you know, third basemen go. Um, he's being picked well ahead of guys like Todd Frazier, who also hit 29 home runs last year and stole 20 bases very quietly. I don't understand why, you know, fantasy-wise, a guy like Beltrio would be picked ahead of Frazier. The other guy I was talking about, the young guy who was being picked in fantasy drafts way higher than he should be based largely on potential, is Baltimore's Manny Machado. Personally, if I'm going to pick a young third baseman, I'd rather have Nick Castellanos on Detroit. I think that's uh, a better situation. I don't see him as being as injury-prone. Um, and quite frankly, Machado is not a huge power hitter. He's more of a doubles hitter. Um, even though there was the injury last year, he only hit 13, 14 home runs. You want to know who else hit 13, 14 home runs last year? Trevor Plouffe. And where did you have to draft? I mean, he wasn't even drafted. He was a guy that you could have grabbed off of waivers. And, uh, you know, I know it's not really a fair comparison. In real life and in fantasy, you'd probably rather have Machado. But for where you have to pick him, I'd rather pick up Trevor Plouffe on waivers. Hey, don't knock Trevor Plouffe. He was an awesome player on my 12-year-old uh, travel ball team. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, thinking about Manny Machado, I actually somewhat disagree with you on. Um, if anybody listens to the uh, Buster Only Baseball Tonight podcast, in this case, that if you've gotten to the state of sports, you probably listen to that as well. Um, one thing that, that he said that was interesting is that when he, after he blew out the, his knee the first time, the doctors went in and looked at it and said, at some point in your career, you will blow out the other knee. That happened last year. And now coming in this year, he, the, both knees have been repaired to a point that they are actually stronger than they were beforehand. The risk of injury and, and severe injury is, has uh, faded significantly. So last year he knew he was, there was a chance of another serious knee injury to that opposite knee. It happened. It's behind him. And if he's healthy, he might be able to, to realize that, that great potential. Now, the potential is still where he's being drafted, and we're talking about uh, overrated, underrated. He, he's probably still going being drafted too high based on potential. Um, but if he does have that year, um, he he will be a value to you even drafted that high. But if you're playing the percentages, he will uh, rank out as overrated. Now there's two other guys uh, at the corner infield position that are intriguing to me. Um, one is a guy who 
didn't have a position in last year. I actually made it to the All-Star game as a utility man before finally really getting the job at uh, third base and moving uh, Pedro Alvarez over to first base. Um, he's outfield and uh, third base eligible, but I'd be really interested to see what Josh Harrison can do with the job right from the get-go. Uh, that Pittsburgh team, I think, is going to be pretty good. They're going to have a pretty good offense, um, and it, if he can hit the way he did last year, he's got a little bit of speed, a little bit of power. He can be, he can be really good, but at the same time, it came out of nowhere. There's no track record. He doesn't have a real natural position, so there's also the chance for it to fall apart. Um, he's a guy, for me, I would like to see end up on, some, on my team, but where he gets drafted might end up being a little bit too high. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, he's, you know, he, if you have any Pittsburgh Pirates fans in your, uh, in your leagues, you're not going to get them. Uh, popular guy, hard worker, you know, pretty good player, it seemed like, from last season. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm a baseball fan. I don't follow the prospects as closely as you do, but I do follow them a little bit. I know pretty much who each team's top guys are. I've never heard of them, and, you know, I was pulling for him a little bit. I kept seeing, you know, looking, checking the leaderboards at the end of the season. He was still up there in terms of batting average, steals a bunch of bases. He's not a guy I would have a problem with ending up on my team. But, uh, you know, we talked about Josh Donaldson maybe not being able to continue the Cinderella story. This guy, Josh Harrison, is another guy who I'm afraid uh, can't sustain it. You know, he, he, you know who he is? He's Luis Cruz. Remember, he, uh, Cruz won the third base job on the Dodgers a few years back from Juan Uribe when, before he suddenly rediscovered his hitting ability. You know, he had something like 290 down the stretch, had half a dozen home runs, knocked in a few, and he was awarded the starting job out of the gate the following season and ended up hitting a buck 40. He was drafted in fantasy leagues. People thought that, you know, myself included, that uh, he'd be able to sustain fantasy-relevant numbers for a year, and it, it didn't happen, obviously. I was wrong. Now, the other guy that is really intriguing at the corner, and he's eligible both first and third base, and how a guy like this to be eligible both spots, uh, just athletically, is beyond me. Um, and the guy coming off of a, what I believe is considered a PED suspension for Adderall, he now has the... Um, therapeutic use exemption. Therapeutic yeah. use exception. Uh, Chris Davis, he went from leading the league in home runs to struggling last year and getting suspended. And I, I'm curious to see which Chris Davis comes back. You could go ahead and say where well, he's got the exemption now, he's back on what, what worked for him in 2013, but if, it, if he was not on it in 2014, he wouldn't have been popped for the, for the, the drug, uh, failed drug test. He wouldn't have been suspended. So just saying that he has that exemption I don't think that that's enough to say that he's going to come back. Um, I, I think that uh, there's some real concern with him, and you know he's somebody to be cautious of, but at the same time, he's, he's fallen so far down so many boards. If you end up getting him as a late pick and he turns into the 40 home run guy, he all of a sudden can win you a league hands down. So he's another person that's really intriguing this year. Yeah, I uh, I think that this that Chris Davis is all reward and no risk. Uh, you can get him late. Um, he's always had a big concern with the swing and miss rate, whether he's uh, got the uh, Adderall therapeutic use exemption or lack thereof, or whether he's taking uh, anything to assist with his ADD. Um, but yeah, as far as where he's going, he's definitely worth the risk. And for me, I've got another guy like that at the third base position. Prime for a breakout year, A-Rod. 
I'm obviously kidding about the breakout year, but if we want to talk about zero risk, all reward, I can't imagine that A-Rod's going to be drafted anywhere in the top, you know, 20 rounds. And uh, if you're a little bit light in the corner infielder utility spot and you want a guy who potentially could hit 20 home runs if he gets the playing time, um, where's the risk? If you pick him up with your second-to-last or third-to-last pick in the draft, he ends up just sucking and being terrible and obviously not using performance-enhancing drugs has a negative effect on his play, and you cut him and you pick somebody else up. Again, we're talking about reward versus risk, and there's no risk with A-Rod, only reward. Trust me, I don't like the guy, but you don't win fantasy leagues by only picking guys you like. You pick guys that put up numbers. So I think he has the potential to do that. Now, you're talking risk versus reward. Um, Two guys that I think are going to – somebody in the league is going to pick way too early because of the shiny numbers in the minor leagues. Uh, Unless you're in a a dynasty, a keeper league, stay the heck away. Um, You got Chris Bryant and Joey Gallo. There's no guarantee that either of them uh, make the big league roster coming out of camp. Uh, Chris Bryant has the best chance of it. I think he does have a chance to stick at third base. Based on the uh, guys they have in that system, he'll probably end up in the outfield. He could be up this year. I think he's for real. But I don't think he is for real for fantasy for you for the first two, three months of the season. So if you pick him, it's got to be late, and you've got to be able to stash him. A guy like Joey Gallo, I have seen a ton of Joey Gallo. I am somebody who is – I completely believe that Joey Gallo will be a massive bust in, in Major League Baseball. I have probably seen him at the plate 30 to 40 times, and I've probably seen him strike out 25 to 30 of those times. He is a constant – he's got a big swing. It is. It misses uh, decent curveballs. He misses decent fastballs. He can be overpowered. When he makes contact, the ball can absolutely fly – but to me, he is the latest in a long line of Texas Rangers corner power guys who ended up doing nothing for the Rangers. And that guys like Justin Smoke and Chris Davis. Chris Davis broke out a little bit with the Orioles. But to me, he's going on that same path of massive power guys who strike out at an alarming rate. And I think Joey Gallo is somebody that, one, is not ready for the big leagues, I don't believe he's going to end up making his debut at some point this year just because of the home runs he's going to hit at the upper minors. But he is not somebody that's going to put up quality numbers for you, especially if strikeouts count against you. His home runs will not make up for it. Well, you're going to run into that issue with a lot of rookies, um, especially the highly touted ones, Um, really regardless of position. You know, um, if I'm going to be – if I'm going to be taking uh, one of either Gallo or Bryant, it's going to be Bryant. I think that he's got less to overcome in terms of what's in front of him in Chicago than Gallo does in Texas. Um, I don't think either of them are going to see the majors before May. I think that the Cubs are going to try to avoid that Super 2 thing with uh, for salary arbitration purposes. I don't know. I don't pretend to know exactly how that works, but I've read, I've, I've read enough about rookie prospects and and, uh, you know, the, the theory that their teams are not going to call them up until uh, until a certain date, May 1st or whatever, just to avoid paying them a little bit more. But, you know, it, unless you're in a dynasty league, in which case, newsflash, Chris Bryant's already taken. He's not sitting out there in a dynasty league unless it's a first-time draft. Um, he ain't getting him. And, uh, you know, if he's going to be your 
primary third baseman going into fantasy this year, you're going to struggle for production from that position, especially in the first couple of months. Absolutely. Uh, with that, we'll start to wrap up. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Distain Sports. Check out our website, distainsports.com. Email us, distainsports at gmail.com. Also, uh, thank you to the NHL. Uh, the Distain Sports is officially um, accredited and is a of the uh, NHL. Uh, I will be at the final game of the season, Coyotes and Mighty, Miami Ducks. <laughs> the Miami. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. I'm sorry to say with that. The Anaheim Ducks against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a look. Uh, we'll have a dueling articles come out, kind of look at a team that is in a rebuild versus a team that is ready to try and make a run into the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. I also found out that the uh, Arena Football League has credentialed us. If you've never been to an Arena Football League game, get to one. They're as much fun as you could possibly have at a sporting event. We'll have some fun, uh, put together some articles and some podcasts uh, around that. And, of course, we've still got the outfield to talk about for fantasy baseball. Um, the NFL draft is not too far away. We're going to have some mock drafts up on the website. Uh, plenty of good stuff, Tim, with these podcasts and the website. Thank you again for listening. It's time for me to go back and uh, join my baby shower. It is baby shower time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>